for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Tonight on the show, Hillary and Aaron are empowering themselves with cock. With... <laughs> with... The rise of Leslie Vernon, a.k.a. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Now, this is a fabulous film. I, I cannot stress this enough. Unfortunately, it is not really streaming anywhere. You have to pay for it. Uh, I paid three ninety. We both paid three ninety nine for uh, Amazon. Uh, don't fall into the following trap, however. If you Google it and Just Watch tells you it's on Pluto... Guess what? It's not on Pluto, and Hillary's going to tell you exactly what happened when she found Behind the Mask on Pluto, which, by the way, had a thumbnail of Leslie Vernon on it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I go on my Roku, and I put in Behind the Mask, and it says it's streaming for free on Pluto. So I take the screenshot, send it to Aaron, and I'm just like, this is tight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to pay the $3.99. Super excited. So it starts and, you know, it's behind the mask. And then the very first shot is Batman leaping out of the corner. Yes. Like DC Batman. You're like, hey, I don't think I've seen this movie in a while, but I'm pretty sure I don't remember Batman. Yeah, I was like, this. I don't remember this opening going like this, but okay, let me sit in this for a minute. And my notes even start with documentary style opening with Batman, question mark. <laughs> and so then it's, you know, this group of documentary folks and they're all just sitting around talking. And I go, okay, so was this their first project? And then this is how we start making the documentary about Leslie Vernon. No, no, I watched 20 minutes of... <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> See, this... Once again, way to bury the lead. Okay, I did not know Hillary actually did go through 20 minutes of this before she realized this is absolutely not the rise of Leslie Vernon. Yep, 20 minutes in, and it is behind the mask, the story of the Batman movie that was never made. But yeah, no, it took me 20 minutes to really go, I don't think this is right. <laughs> okay, so fun fact about Pluto. This happened to me, this happened to us last week, okay? I was really excited. I wanted to see the Zodiac. I've never seen it. And and uh, I'm obsessed with Mindhunter. So I was like, ooh, David Fincher. And my boyfriend's a huge Zodiac fan. So I was like, all right. So <laughs> we are so excited because Pluto's like, we have Zodiac for free. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> no, no. We have Zodiaco, the Spanish language version of Zodiac. Oh, I would watch that. But no subs. Uh, perfect. <laughs> so it's just a Spanish. Spanish language version of the Zodiac and no subtitles whatsoever. Can you reenact it? Like, can we just, you know, paraphrase things? And I do. Como se dice? Can your pit bull stop licking me? <laughs> so after I watched, finally got to, you know, uh, Behind the Mask, the real movie we're doing, I then like started rewatching Mindhunter. Oh, oh did you? Okay. Because I know it's like one of your favorites. And this is what I was thinking. And you might be mad at me. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Have you never seen it? Oh, no. I watched oh, it. Okay, yeah. Okay, it, it, right. Total rewatch. Wow. Yeah. No, they nutted too early. That's the problem with Mindhunter. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Expl show your work. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they start with Kemper, 
and brilliant. And, and so I, I, can we just talk about Cameron Britton for a second? Like, I mean, oh my God. First of all, I'm dating a guy. He's 6'6". So clearly I'm ruined for men for the rest of my life. So of course, Cameron Britton, 6'7", 6'8", uh, playing playing Kemper. So, right, and then, you know, you have, like, the layers of serial killers, and, you know, right. you hit all the... Some, let's just say that some of the serial killers in Mindhunter are a lot more interesting than others. Absolutely. But who is the goat of the interview? For, like, a journalist perspective, who tops Manson? So, well, I, so that's why I was thinking, like, in part, in season three, if they would have just finally, like, you know, pulled the trigger, so to speak... On BTK, he doesn't top Manson. Okay, okay. I could just you- just from like a charisma standpoint. Yeah, and doesn't have the notoriety. Notoriety <laughs> words are fun to say out loud. Um, yeah, it's okay. Manson is the nut, and they nutted too early. Okay, this is not a show about Mind Hunter. However, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> if you're uh, if you're just joining us, welcome back to the Mind Hunter. <laughs> uh podcast uh all right so today today on the show we are talking about behind the mask the legend of leslie vernon now would we call this because there's a lot of different ways of looking at it would we call this a satire i would call this a mockumentary mockumentary okay i love it i love it really hard to do and do well oh to to do and do well i mean like it it's it's funny it's almost like a if i had to like equate it i would say it's like if you took spinal tap and then the last 20 minutes of spinal tap spinal tap decided to just like commit a massacre yes yeah i was thinking that because i when i was watching it i was just like is this really horror yeah because let me just say this like right off jump i mean this movie is funny as fuck yeah hysterical and the characters are totally endearing and that you honestly like exactly like the main character really you get glossed over oh god yeah oh oh i was all about nathan nathan basil i was all about fucking leslie vernon nay Leslie Mancuso. I was all about him. Like when we first met him, he had a little bit of Timothy Oliphant going on with him. Very, very like early nineties, Timothy Oliphant. And then he is charismatic. He is sweet. He is endearing. He is charming and not in a Ted Bundy kind of way. He's actually charming. Yeah. And I just kept really thinking about uh, the new, I say new, fascination with true crime with like how many podcasts are there about true crime? Dear God. You know, and just like really thinking even back to natural born killers, how Mickey and Mallory like became these like anti-hero celebutons, but like they're not good people. Right. No, know? they're like- they're not good people. <laughs> so it, it it's interesting because what this is, is yes, it is a mockumentary about a group of documentary filmmakers, question mark, uh, played by Angela Gottles, uh from, well, let's see, she's from Home Alone and Jerry Maguire, uh, two movies I can't stand, so that's uh, unfortunate. But she's also from, all you perverts out there, Porn and Chicken, Comedy Central's one and only uh, original movie about, wait for it, a group of people who go to Yale University and they have a club where they watch porn and eat fried chicken. Good for them. And that is a true story. Good for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally cool. So she stars in that. And um, rounding out, you know, we got Nathan Basil. We've also got Robert England 
as our uh, as our Ahab. Our Ahab. I love that. I love like I really a lot of this movie I kept thinking about was like okay you go to like some you know fancy schmancy college or whatever and you take like a course on horror films <laughs> and just like the discourse of you know what the author means and why did we use this and just- dissecting horror cinema yes yeah something like that and just like a round table discussion of what did they mean when they were hiding in the closet oh it symbolizes the womb you right. can't and enter it and the uh and, and the uh, right Right, and the apple orchard symbolizes the birth canal. Yeah. Is Yannick imagery a real term? Well, the word Yannick, hey, fun fact. Okay, we're getting yeah. we're getting into it. So the word Yannick, it comes from the word Yoni. Yoni is a word that means vagina. So uh, when they have what are called what's called Yoni massage, it's where you pay a professional, not a hooker or a male prostitute, mind you but an actual certified professional to rub your punani until you come and then you pay them money. And that is called yoni massage. Uh, For our local folks, you can actually uh, pay for that in Ybor City. I'm fascinated. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the art of yoni massage with Aaron and Hillary. Do you just come once or do you stay there? Is it like a timed thing? Great question. All great questions. I think we'll answer that in the next episode. Okay. I'm going to have to research. And by research, I mean Google. Yeah. No, I'm I'm floored by this information. Yeah. So Yoni, anyway. So yes, the Yonic imagery is basically vaginal imagery. It means specific, the birth canal, the womb, the, all of it. Okay. All right. I... I'm so intrigued. I I want to call the spa in Ybor City and ask them about 5,000 questions. The, the interesting thing is that they actually have like yoni masseuses that come to your house. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I would prefer. I don't want to go out and now I have to drive and Ybor City's like, what, an hour drive? It's kind of a pain in the ass. And yeah. then you got to figure out parking. Right. Yeah. I, what am I going to wear? Do I have to shave my legs and a bug? Yeah. Yeah. And am I getting a man or a woman? What a great job. Right? Like, I was like, what do you do? I just make chicks come all day. Yeah. And, and Seymour Butts, is that you? I, I'm so intrigued. So intrigued. <laughs> so, so anyway, rounding out this cast, people, we also have Scott Wilson, who is Herschel from Walking Dead. And he was also in the original uh, In Cold Blood as well. And, oh, and Exorcist 3. And he is, uh, is, is, is supposed to be the grown-up version of the killer from Black Christmas. I love that. I know. I love that too. I knew like he was supposed to be, you know, like one of the previous 60s, 70s slashers. Absolutely. Like, like what's funny about this movie is that we live in the, the universe in which this movie has created is a world where Freddy Krueger is a real person. Jason Voorhees is a real person. Michael Myers is a real person. These are, you know, Leslie Vernon is trying to quote, join the ranks of these great killers in history so so that's kind of it for the cast right now so um we're missing one i'm missing one zelda rubenstein oh okay but i consider her a cameo just like i said her kane hotter raking the leaves a cameo but zelda rubenstein okay okay. zelda rubenstein poltergeist fame she has a fantastic scene hillary's right 
She has a fantastic scene as the librarian and she gives like a whole backstory to Leslie Vernon and it is it is fantastic. Yeah, she I she I dig her. So oh, her 4 foot 9 glory. Yeah, and just the voice where she sounds so like mickey mouse-esque and ju- I-, I love the way she pronounces things like i remember uh in poltergeist 3 where she's like you know i didn't recognize she's like i recognized her and she's like what surprised me dear is that you didn't yeah. <laughs> i also uh really loved her in teen witch oh you know what we always forget it top that always forget about fucking teen witch man somebody's gonna bring up teen witch at least once a week now that you're if you're in your 40s i guarantee you one of your friends and or somebody on a facebook page is gonna bring up teen witch or you will just mindlessly scroll tiktok and the top that song will come constantly just just fucking top that lives in our brains rent free whether we like it or not um, so this movie opens with a person watching a cute blonde waitress yep. who has a name tag of Kelly, uh, basically put the trash out and, uh, and kind of just stalking her. It reminded me very much of Sookie Stockhouse from True Blood. Oh, wow. Yeah. Great reference. Yes. It absolutely reminds me of that. Yeah. I mean, from the uniform to the sneakers to the bringing out the trash down the back alley. I was just like, oh, True Blood ripped that off. Oh, totally. Um, And uh, this is supposed to be the, the town of Glen Echo. Yes. Glen Echo. And, you know, that's. And then, like, the next scene is we cut two and it's, you know, Leslie Vernon and, and talking to Taylor and. Right. Right. Taylor Taylor Gentry, uh, played by Angela Gothels, and she is um, she's basically like a sort of like a like a like a low rent uh, Bar- Barbara Walters, You're Diane Sawyer, Diane Sawyer, yeah, yeah, very uh, female journalist of like late eighties, early nineties, from the sweater to the body positioning, very serious, by the way, very serious, very trying so hard to like make this such a professional interview. And then, like, Leslie Vernon is just over the top and charming and, like, oh, like, you want to see a magic trick? You know, like, just lighting up the room. And she's trying to do that, like, you know, Atlas pose with the, you know. (laughs) Oh, she is when she's interviewing him. She's got this, like, she's, like, her hand on her chin resting thoughtfully. Yeah, very pensive type look of just trying to study him. And he's just having... A blast. What's yeah? So fun fact: when they introduce Leslie Vernon, um, you know, he comes out there and and he is just this like ball of energy. He's and I, hey, I'm gonna say it. I said it last night, so Slink already knows. Leslie Vernon, totes fuckable. To- oh, for sure. Oh God. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I wonder where this is going. But um, so he comes out. He introduces himself, and you know, welcomes welcomes them to his home. Yeah. Uh, where we get to meet his two turtles. Uh, uh, let's see. It's uh, Zoe and Church. So Church, obviously from the cat in Pet Cemetery, and then Zoe apparently was a character in Pet Cemetery 2, and I didn't see that movie, so I can't speak to that. Yeah, no. Did you see part two? I don't think I saw part two. Okay, yeah, so that's a thing. But there's a, it says, I only keep pets I can eat. Yeah, I did like that line. I normally only keep, but they just won't die. You know, I, I, know, I love them. it. The little bastards just won't die. Yeah. I leave um, them alone all the time. And <laughs> what's So it's interesting because on the surface, he is this funny affable endearing 
attractive guy, but he he leaves little hints and drops little like dialogue nuggets that let you know he is not a good person. Yeah, no, he is very much totally letting you know, like, yes, I'm going to be joining, you know, the likes of the greats. And, uh, you know, these are my plans for slaughtering a group of teenagers. You just very like candid and just enjoying it and the funny thing about it is it's not played campy in any way and it's also not played super understated either it is absolutely the porridge that goldilocks chose it is fabulously on point the entire fucking movie even when shit gets unhinged it's appropriately unhinged for the time period absolutely And what I absolutely love about, like, his character is just, you know, this was a goal that he set for himself. And even as the viewer, knowing what he is trying to do, he is so disarmingly enchanting almost that you're rooting for him in the beginning, especially being like a horror fan like that I am, you know, I shouldn't root for Mike when I watch Halloween, but I do. Right. And there's moments in Devil's Rejects when like Otis will say something and I will fucking howl with laughter because I'm like, ah, oh, bad person. Right. You know, or Baby even. She has some killer lines and just all of that, how we root for the villain in these movies at times and like really maybe taking a look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I am going to be the first person to admit I have dated quite a few sociopaths in my time. So obviously I would be the perfect fucking final girl if I wasn't already a huge whore because I'm not a virgin. But, uh, if, um, if, if the situation was different, uh, you know, I would indeed be a final girl and I would, I would, I would gladly grab that axe. Yeah. I don't think I would make it to final girl. Really? Yeah. No. You're I, way more tough than me. Like you would actually fight back. I think I would just be like, I think I would just acquiesce. Yeah. I don't think I care enough. Oh, about life? <laughs> <laughs> about yourself. Uh, I feel like I've had a good run, you know? That's good. I like that. (laughs) I like that. You know, it's funny. Prior to getting into this relationship, I was very much like, if I die tomorrow, it's cool. I've seen, I've helped a lot of people. I've done good. I, I, you know, I've made peace with my my family, you know, but now I'm like, oh, fuck. Now I'm in a good, healthy relationship. And I'm like, I want to make that shit last forever. It's unfortunate, really. Yeah, no, poor you. That's, it's a shame. God damn it. Fucking happiness. Okay. Men ruin everything. Men do ruin everything. Really. <laughs> That's a thing. Uh, so we see he has this great book collection. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I wouldn't, re- I wouldn't uh, suggest anyone read Grey's Anatomy's Grey's Anatomy for kicks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They notice, you know, it's all like manuals and textbooks and like just like the how-to version of, you know, dissection and, you know, murder. But and it's just wall-to-wall libraries of information that he's been studying to get better at his craft. Which is fantastic. And then um, we take a little field trip to his old farmhouse, the, the house that he was supposedly raised in, um, his parents' old farmhouse. And we learn that every year on the anniversary of Leslie Vernon's death, okay, uh, some group of 
hormonal teenagers comes and spends the night in the house just because they can. Yes. Yeah. That's, you know, it is a known tradition that I guess like the popular kids go there, break into the house because the story of Leslie Vernon. Oh, yes. Please do this. Yeah. Is, you know, his mom was raped by a drifter. And uh, it turned out that he, you know, was somebody named Curtis or whatever. And then they came, they took the baby, uh, pitchforks, torches, and threw him over the waterfall. Like you do. Exactly. Like you do. Like you do. And now he has come back to get his revenge on the town, which is just a fabulous backstory. Right. Absolutely. Great backstory. I mean, fantastic. Very similar to, you know, it's like, I shot him six times. Oh, I love that line. Exactly. So, um... We get to see the uh, apple orchard, which apparently is uh, is 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 representative of the birth canal. Yes, the, back to the Yanni imagery. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like uh, he uh, Leslie Vernon for being you know a person who stalks people, uh, specifically women. Uh, he also has a, a little bit of a feminist slant to him. Very much so, where, you know, he seems so, like, pro-women. I yeah. mean, I have to kill them, right. but I am all for their rights and fighting back. I Absolutely. don't I don't want the lay-down-and-die victim, so. I kind of kind of look at him as maybe a little pro-choice. Maybe a little, you know, hey, no uterus, no opinion, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Put that on a shirt. I would like to, I would like to say, right, I would like to go on the record as saying that, yes, yes, Leslie Vernon is uh, no uterus, no opinion. Um, so, uh, okay, my favorite, it's so hard to pick a favorite fucking scene in this movie, but we're going in order. So, but <laughs> Leslie Vernon is kickboxing. Yeah. He is boxing with a bag and he is talking about, you have no idea how much cardio I have to do. Yes, of just... Do you know how exhausting it is to, you know, everybody's running. And you have to look like you're walking. At a steady pace without getting winded. And it just takes a lot out of you. And he's in like the footloose attire, like the headband, headband the gray sweatshirt, and it's just drenched with sweat. Absolutely love that. And then that's when we find out what a survivor girl is. Absolutely. So there's like, you know, we, uh, we end up at a, what looks like kind of a, coffee house is that where they're at they're at a coffee house and they're across the street from a high school and he's like these are this is our target group yeah this is you know because she asks do you have a girl picked out already and he's like well of course i do like if you just got here there this is months of planning right to- like, yeah. oh no i already got i already got someone worked out we're i'm just showing you what a target group looks like right including like sort of like a uh, a slower group of people. Now, by slow, I mean stoners. Yeah. And he says, uh, those are good to pad your numbers. To pad your numbers. Because you see, you know, like the jocks and, you know, the hot girls. And, you know, then, you know, like the camera pans up and it's the stoners on the hill. And he's just like, yeah, that'll pad your numbers. And what I was actually thinking was, why are they all hanging out together? Yeah, it doesn't really look like they would be. It, it, it didn't. It, it's it's what I like about this movie, though, is that it doesn't have an ounce of meta in it, in the mm-hmm. sense that it doesn't have it doesn't have the really annoying like we're in a horror movie, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, which really to me just grates on my nerves. I can't stand it. Yeah, no, they did this really well, so well, and 
just like the fact that it's not a horror movie for so long. Right. The the really. Uh, oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Because this movie is what like ninety minutes, maybe sure. or something like that. Yeah. So the first half of this film is a very engaging, funny, thoughtful, interesting, fabulous dialogue. Like it really gets you in there, and it gets you in a very specific like headspace yeah you almost feel lulled into a comfort oh my god yes with how endearing he is with as he's talking about what he's going to do to these children at the end of the day these are high school students these are children and we are i know i am very very totally okay with what is going on and it was really like once i got to the end i was like that's actually not good yeah yeah i know it's like <laughs> stalking is fun yeah well so so the next thing we do is uh leslie introduces uh the gang so to speak he he introduces um uh Taylor and oh god damn it Doug and Todd okay (laughs) wow good for you Jesus Christ uh Taylor and Doug and Todd now here's the thing Doug and Todd actually stay off camera until the very last half of this film so the fact that I forgot their names is you know whatever but so he introduces Taylor or Tay as he affectionately calls her uh to Eugene and Jamie and Eugene Scott Wilson is Billy from Black Christmas. So he is a retired, he is a retired uh, mass murder serial killer. And Jamie is his incredibly fucking hot redhead wife. Yes. And so full of life and just. Oh, she's, she's the best. I wish she was in every fucking movie. I swear to God, this character is fantastic because once you find out that Jamie is a final girl who stayed. Yeah. And like got her man. (laughs) What? Yeah. So, you know, and then it's just like this such play on, you know, it's just, you know, an awkward boy who doesn't know how to talk to girls. And this is his way of getting her attention and, you know, finally winning her over. Very uh, Luke and Laura. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Can we just fucking talk about Luke and Laura for a second? Wow. This episode is just fuck. Everywhere. It's totes everywhere. But that's okay. That's okay. Because everyone tan- turns into the show. He tunes into the show for this very reason. It is called Manic Movie Monday for a reason. <laughs> like, you wouldn't know that the both of us aren't mentally ill. Yeah. Only one of us is mentally ill. But uh, so Luke and Laura, for the uninitiated and people who didn't watch soap operas back in the day, were characters on a show called General Hospital. And on General Hospital, uh, Luke took Laura out on a date and ended up raping her. Yes, I said that correctly. Ended up raping her on the floor of a roller derby. And... Apparently, after said rape, Laura fell in love with him and they had the wedding of the century and went on to become the well-known greatest couple in all of soap opera history. Everyone who is of a certain age knows or knows about Luke and Laura's big wedding. This was like a Prince Charles Lady Die kind of situation, you know. So um, that's a thing that happened on television uh, is that a, a rape turned into 
a relationship. So, but I'd like to think, okay, I, I would like to think that Eugene and Jamie just, maybe it wasn't as bad. Okay. Yeah, he murdered all of her friends. I mean, yeah. he, he, sometimes there's collateral damage in a relationship. Collateral, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm justifying bad decisions. Yeah. They are so charming though. I get I get why we're there. Yeah. No, we are totally there. And um when he when he when he goes in to see Eugene, when Leslie goes to see Eugene, Eugene has actually been buried in a sensory deprivation chamber yeah. for like a few days. Three, three days. Yeah, because he's like, Is it Tuesday? He's like, It's Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> And just her attitude of just like, I keep forgetting to go and get him. You know, just like, oh, you might want to go and get him. I totally forgot. Yeah. And just how even in this, you know, relationship, we still need time away from our men sometimes. Sometimes we do. You know what? Uh, Everybody needs a little bit of time away. Thank you, Chicago. Yeah. And just, you know, just trying to clean the house and you're just, you know, putting your muddy boots all over the floor. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, you know what? Just take shit outside. Okay. So the reason he does the sensory deprivation chamber is so he can kind of keep in good practice to looking like he's dead. Yes. For the shot of you know when the final girl is to walk away because we believe he is dead and you you know maintain still and looking like you're not breathing so this way you can get up and really get your final scene in fantastic so we uh we go back to the kitchen where everyone's kind of like sitting and hanging out and talking and um this is this is absolutely my favorite well okay second favorite line in the movie um is where they're talking and uh, Eugene goes to Leslie. He's like, how's that thing going you're working on? And he's like, yeah, you know, and he's, he kind of starts to explain. And Jamie, without missing a beat, goes, it sounds like Kelly's really coming around for you. Yeah. And I, I, my, one of my favorite lines in this is just, you know, talking about being in the business of fear. Right. I just think that that is so simple and eloquently put of just, no, we're in the business of fear. That's that's our job. That's our job. It's fear. Yes. Yes. By the way, for the uninitiated and if you have just joined us, Eugene is supposed to be a version of Billy from Black Christmas. So that's a thing. Um, And what's really funny is there's a part where he's talking about the greats, right? And he's like, Jay and Fred and Mike. Yeah. First name basis of just, you know, being able to uh, come back, you know, and build like a franchise and how it was back in the day. And, you know, you were like a one and done, one hit wonder kind of thing. Like some people came down and they just made a mess and left. Yeah. Just... You know, you go into a sorority house and you just start murdering everyone and it's just a mess. Yeah, and I was like, hmm, oh. I was trying- Actually, it was funny. When he said that, I immediately thought of Ted Bundy. I thought Ted Bundy. I thought Ed Comfort, which is really what made me then go back and watch Mindhunter at the oh, end of this. Wow. Yeah, for, you know, the co-ed killer. Yeah. And uh, then I started thinking uh, Sorority House Massacre. Oh, yeah. What a terrible fucking movie that is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. I was just, I'm going to save y'all the trouble, by the way, because now, I mean, granted, on the show, we are kind of the, the Ted Lasso of B-movies. We have a tendency to, like, give a lot of credit. Sorority House Massacre is one of the most boring fucking movies that has ever existed. It has the most beautiful cover art. It has a beautiful woman, like, 
kind of silhouetted in a, in a windowsill and it's it's very 80s it's like yeah but bro getting through that movie is harder than like an SAT prep course I do like the pizza on the body oh that's uh, Slumber Party Massacre oh son of a bitch yeah see Slumber Party Massacre is a good movie yeah shit right? yeah. where the pizza and, sh- and she starts yeah. eating it and yeah. they're like what the hell and yeah. she's like I'm hungry I'm hungry yep yeah. So, fuck. Yeah, no, I switched up my, my slaughter. That's, and that's totally fine. Yeah. I, that's completely understandable. But like I said, Slumber Party Massacre, you're here. great movie. Sorority House Massacre, terrible fucking movie. And don't even get me started on Sorority House Massacre 2, which, by the way, has zero to do with the first movie. Anyway, moving on. So, they had a bit of library. Yeah, no. And I do like, because now we're starting to terrorize, the, you know, Kelly. So- Kelly, exactly. Okay, so we're terrorizing Kelly. And how is he going to terrorize Kelly? And the, the newspaper article. Yeah, he does have the newspaper article. But really, what I found, what I found myself thinking about was, when do you have to intervene? Like, and you mean as you mean as the documentary crew? Correct. Ooh, good, yeah. good, good question. And it made me think of like the TV show, like Intervention. <laughs> Just like people are like doing crazy thing you know they're passing out they're you know shooting drugs and like yes this is your life but at what point do you like call the police or are they overdosing or and the fact that he starts roping taylor in to help him terrorize like i need you to pull the brick away from the door i need you to place the newspaper article or like and and also what's what's interesting about this is that he plays on the excitement of this. So like mm-hmm. you kind of get the idea that that Taylor is very much like a good portion of females in society today, which means she's like obsessed with true crime. Yep. And this is actually kind of fascinating. It's also very disturbing, but it's fascinating enough that it's like, oh, I get to help. Yeah, I get to help be a part before it happens. And at what point are you culpable? Yeah, exactly. And what it, and what does it happens mean? Yes. And just, you know, then, you know, so he's in the library and just how athletic he is and leaping over things to leave the article. He's like a spider monkey. Yes. And the discussion of microfiche, which I... Oh, talk about... That brought me back, buddy. I love microfiche. I wish I had a reason to go look at something on microfiche. We are this old. Yes. And just we are microfichal. Yes. And he took the microfiche and then implanted a newspaper article into it. And you that says that Kelly's great uncle was the rapist yeah. who raped Leslie Vernon's mother, resulting in his birth. And, you know, the picture looks just like her. Oh, yeah. It's CGI. It's like most of our stuff is CGI. Yeah. But yeah. like I imp- which, which I thought was so fabulous. But my uh, my first my actually favorite line in this whole movie is when <laughs> Leslie Vernon is leaning against a bookshelf and he goes he finds a book and he goes, Paradise Lost found it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I watched it's funny because I watched this movie with Slank and he has seen this movie. I swear, I swear to God, he has seen this movie 50 times. He knows the entire dialogue backwards and forwards. He knows everything about it. And he actually interviewed um, Nathan Basil. So I was like, like watching it with him was like seeing it through a completely different lens completely. That is fabulous. (laughs) Oh, and then 
Uh-huh. Robert England. This is our Robert England. He pops up dressed like Donald Pleasance. Yeah, total, total nod to Donald Pleasance. You know, Halloween. The you know, I think he's got gloves on. Got had the gloves, the trench coat. I mean, it was so and funny. like an argyle, like a like a sweater vest situation. Yeah. Yep, exactly what you would wear while hunting a serial killer. Also, let me just say, Robert England looking like a snack. Yeah, for, I mean, he is. He was looking like a snack in this. He definitely was. So he pops up and his name is Doc Halloran, Halloran, uh, which if you're, if you are a horror fan is the shining. Yeah. Yes. Is the shining. And then Leslie Vernon is over the moon because now he has his Ahab. He is running around woohooing like Ric Flair. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, just, <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of woos. Yeah. There's a lot of woohoos in this whole <laughs> Murphy is in on the woos now. Shout out to Murphy. Shout out to Murphy. <laughs> so he's wooing like Ric Flair. Um, Taylor decides with all of this excitement that she is going to have a chat with Kelly at her place of business. Which Leslie Vernon gave her explicit instructions, do not fucking do that. Absolutely. So it's 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 funny because this movie peppers in these very serious moments where Leslie explains and says like, no, this is how it's going to go. This is my plan. I am not going to accept anything else other than my plan. This is how we do things. Yes. Don't interfere with the things that we do. But it's colored with such a comedic presence. Um, and uh, Nathan Nathan Basil is a graduate of Juilliard, and motherfucker, it shows. Yo, yeah, he is clearly so talented. Because after she goes in, and you know they start. It, wanting to talk and then you know doc halloran is there and like why are you you know here for this girl and they you know she sees leslie vernon outside they get up and leave his switch up to like controlling possessive boyfriend of the grab of the arm and then the grab of the neck yeah, pushing her against you know like their mini caravan thing that they have of just i fucking told you not to do this and it just like the seriousness and how he went from the charming fucking guy to all of a sudden abusive was I any girl who has been in that situation and dated that guy. Like, I know I got chills. Oh, dude, I, I totally I absolutely got chills because I mean, like people, especially if you've got a woman who has been in an abusive relationship before people will say things like, but you're too smart. How could you have fallen for it? What do you mean? You let a guy hit you, et cetera. And the thing is, right. Why did you just leave? Well, if all abusive relationships started with you laying on the floor, bleeding while a man lays a dozen roses at your feet, Mm -hmm. trust me, we wouldn't have been in them in the first place. Yeah, no. And it's such the progression of, you know, the steady buildup and, you know, knowing, oh, he's flawed. And, you know, like, that dumb shit. I can change him. Yeah, back to the Nightbreed episode. Wow, we're just uh, revisiting codependent women, aren't we? And, you know, just how she shrinks to make herself smaller and getting in the van and looking like that kicked fucking puppy out the store window. Yeah. Of just, I want my forever home. Like that type <laughs> of shit. Uh, yeah. But we 
have to stay. Yeah, yeah. We got to get the story. You know, I'm going to help. And j- oh. Right. And it was, it was exactly. There, there were this moment. So that's a great question, though. I wanted to ask you this. Was like, at what point, uh, <clears throat> obviously, we would love to think that at the point that Leslie Vernon chokeholds us, right. that would be the moment where he'd be like, bitch, we need to get in that van and get the fuck out. Yeah. I honestly. But would we? And, I would have already left when I, he wanted me to get involved. Oh, nice. Yeah. Once, it, like, I could see myself getting, like, swept up in the interview with a serial killer, and he's so charming and disarming and all of that, and, and I can wrap my brain around that. However, once he was like, I need you to pull the brick away from another woman and trap her, I would have left. I would have said, oh, no, I, I'm, that's, we're too far now. See, that's amazing. I just would have wanted to be part of something. Oh, yeah. No. I know. You you just, you're way better of a feminist than I am. Okay. So, so she decides she's going to stick it out. Yeah. Um, they go over his entire plan. Yeah. Everything. Everything from where the kids are going to end up sleeping. Who's going to end up fucking in the wine cellar. Who's yeah. getting a blow job. Who, what's going to happen here? Who's going to go here? Yeah. Uh, he has a switch that controls all of the electricity. I sabotage the weapons. I, you know, do this. This is I took the spark plugs out of their car. Right. Just how much prepping and planning goes into massacring a whole group of teenagers because it's a lot of work because, you know, they get together and then disperse. And, you know, they even talk about the closet, the closet, how it symbolizes the womb. And it's a safe space that the killers can't go into. Cue, you know, Michael Myers and Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. you know, of just we can't enter the womb. It We understand it's like this code of honor amongst thieves, you know? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and just they even talk about... Uh, how the only way to survive is to run and never look back. And if everybody just took off running, they can't go everywhere and be everywhere. Absolutely. Eugene slash Billy, uh, they, they're talking about, they're kind of like getting, they're getting pumped up for this. They're sending Leslie off into battle, so to speak. And they're talking about it. And, uh, Tay turns to Eugene and says, you know, so if somebody were to want to survive this, what would they do? And they said, well, first of all, they wouldn't fight us because they will lose. And what was the other thing they said? Don't don't turn around and look back. Oh, don't turn around and look back. (laughs) Make sure somebody else is slower than you. And then just run. And then just run and run in different directions. Okay, fantastic. So... Um, so then we get this great scene of Leslie, uh, doing his face paint. Okay. So let's talk about this face paint because obviously a lot of these killers have masks or burnt faces, all of this kind of stuff. This shit is scary. <laughs> I absolutely, I love the mask. I do, I love the simple masks. I, you know, from the Michael Myers to Jason Voorhees and now Leslie Vernon, just the simple, plain looking mask. But then underneath his mask, like the preparation of like the raccoon eyes cue, you know, like the misfits, the black lipstick, nah, still misfits. And then he's talking about, like, how he's putting, like, a Preparation H combo on his face. That's flame retardant. Yeah, it's flame (laughs) retardant, and it constricts his blood vessels. So, you know, like, if he gets hit in the head and into the face, he's not going to just ooze and gush blood. And, you know, boxers use the... And just... 
It's so fucking brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking brilliant. I love it. Absolutely. So one of the things that Taylor asks him is she says, you know, you love her, don't you? Meaning talking about Kelly. And he says, and I'm sure all of us women have been there. We've all been there, baby. I love the idea of her. Yeah. Well, <laughs> haven't you loved the idea of somebody? Oh, I, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what are you talking about? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of somebody. I love the blueprint of them. Yeah. The potential. The potential. Absolutely. This potential. made up person that I made up in my brain. I'm so in love with them. All we got to do is knock out these emotional walls over here. We yeah. got to open up the space. Okay. We. Um, so I love the idea of her, he says. Uh, so then the killing starts and Tay-Tay decides this is so not okay. Just right. with the squel. Oh, like, did your, did you have the subtitles on? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Where it says like squelching noise. Well, <laughs> squelching noises whenever I see it makes me uncomfortable. It absolutely makes me uncomfortable. Squelch is not a good word. Squelch sounds very pornographic. It goes in the category of moist. Those ah, words go God together. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. No, those words and, are friends. And ointment. Oh, yeah. They all hang out. <laughs> they're in a pool league. That's, uh, they're just not good words. Oh, my God. So terrible. So Taylor freaks out. And there's this great moment. And I love this moment when she's freaking out and Leslie comforts her. Yes. Uh, oh, wait. Hey, 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 Taylor, Taylor. It's a, let's go outside. Come on. Let's all go outside. Yeah. And we hustle out to the car. And it looks like, you know, we're going to leave this group of teenagers to die. Right. And he's just like, okay, so here's the deal. I've come here to do this. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm behind schedule. You guys are fucking up my shit right now. Okay, so I'm going to go this way and you're going to go that way. And we are saying our goodbyes right now. Right. And it's like, you know, high five mm-hmm. and, you know, like this longing look at Taylor of just, you know, and they are technically free to go. And then Taylor is, no, well, this isn't right now. Yeah, okay, here's the thing with Taylor. Okay, I, she, she, this, this is where Taylor and I part ways, if you will. Um, She decides that, you know, she's like, this is, this is his movie and I'm editing it. So she's like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, we're gonna stay and we're gonna save these kids. And I'd be like, fuck those kids. Yeah, I, I'm going home. I do feel like since they had the blueprint of how to save them, very easily is we all run in different directions and don't look back. And why they didn't go in and just tell them that of like, yeah, no, your friends are dead. Okay, there's nothing we could do about that now. Sorry. Yes, we knew. Uh, what we all need to do now is run like hands on a fucking timepiece and, and beat it. And instead, they follow the plan of like, okay, they are in the basement. All right, so they're already dead. She's coming upstairs. There's a killer. The cars are sabotaged. Okay, yeah, let's go to the cars. Okay, now we're going to go here. This is how, and I'm just like, what? Why are we still following the plan? I know. I'd be like, dude, I, I did like throw a wrench in the plan as yeah. much as possible. Um, so so we get a little uh little spoiler, little spoiler here. Uh, it turns out Kelly is so not a virgin. No, I do love the scene though. When they go upstairs, she is riding this dude reverse cowgirl, like in just squeezing his dick. Like it owes her money. Yeah. Very like lasso, like, woo! 
clearly tell this is not her first time. Not her. Yeah, she is not fucking like a virgin. If you will, not her first rodeo. If you will. I will not. Um, yeah, no. Are you not a fan of reverse cowgirl? Yeah. I, whatever. It's, <laughs> it sounds like work. Yeah, it's a whole lot. Of, I feel like I should get paid when I go to work. Um, but yeah, no, the only virgins that fuck like that are in porn. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. It was like, oh, the, the virgin first time first timers with Brazzers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're sure you are, uh-huh. Sasha Gray. Yeah. <laughs> I've never done anything like this before. You're not my ordinary tennis instructor. Yeah. <laughs> That's very seventies. But yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But you guys, you guys get the you guys get the idea. So she's not a virgin. So as they're hiding, everyone's kind of hiding. They've gotten these teenagers together. They're telling them the story. They're telling them that they've been, you know, basically that they've been helping this dude stalk this girl. Right. And they're just like, how long have you been watching us? And they're just like, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. This is when Taylor realizes that this has been a plan the whole time because Taylor is actually the final girl because. Yeah. Taylor is the virgin. And Leslie Vernon, in true psychopath, sociopathic form, is able to read a fucking audience and knows that he that Kelly is not going to be the girl to stand up when she finds out she's supposed to be the final girl. She faints, you know, like nothing about. Yeah, she totally passes out on a couch. Yeah. So it's, you know, and that's the big, you know, plot twist switcheroo is that Taylor's the final girl. And she's the one who's going to have to fight uh, Leslie Vernon slash Mancuso. So, it, yeah, okay, so here's yet, yet another spoiler. Um, what it turns out is that there is no Leslie Vernon. Leslie Vernon doesn't exist. The legend doesn't exist. This is a legend that's been built on for years and years, like here, like hearsay, things like that. And in actuality, Leslie is just a psychopath named Leslie Mancuso from the great state of Nevada. It, where you get all your psychos. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, uh, well, they also lived in Vegas for 10 years. It, it tells you everything oh, you need absolutely. to know. It really does. Uh, so, <clears throat> so she decides she's going to fight. And um, uh, is it Doug that gets killed? Uh, Todd is first. Todd, oh, Todd, chubby, chubby guy. Chubby, chubby Todd, Todd the, the cameraman. Yeah. yeah. And then we're in the barn. And he grabs Doug's head, bashes it against a barn stall. And he just goes down like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, just, you know, Doug is now out and uh, Ahab, Robert England, shows up. Yeah, wait, we've, in case you're wondering, did Robert, is Robert England coming back? Yes, indeed. He comes back guns a blazing. Yeah, guns blazing. And Taylor runs to the tool shed where she knows all the front weapons have been sabotaged and goes and grabs an axe in the back of the tool shed, thinking... This one's going to be fine. Why she believes that, I don't know. And she runs into our Yoni apple orchard looking for Mancuso. And, you know, we do this fun cat and mouse. You know, he's here, then he's here, then he's here. And she hits him in the gut with the axe. And obviously the axe breaks. And she goes and she's walking away because the killer is down. And he obviously gets back up and we wind up at an apple cider press. 
fan fucking tastic and uh, she squeezes the apple cider press until he and until he dies yeah and then and then sets the whole place on fire obviously in true final girl fashion to ensure that there's not a sequel you know she squashes his head and sets the place on fire and her doug and doc halloran you know walk out and they're just you know looking around like you know where is he what's going on and then the line of he's just a man yeah yeah that's good it's just like he's just a man like yeah. he's he's not a you know he's not a legend yeah. right and he's not a ghost right and he's just a man now here comes one of the best parts about this movie. So uh, most of our <clears throat> fan base uh, has watched a Marvel movie or nine and uh, knows that everyone knows that if you wait till the end of the credits, something fun awaits you. Well, folks, this movie is no exception. If you watch the entire credit sequence uh, complete with Psycho Killer by Talking Heads, you will see... A, a really you'll get a treat you'll get a treat oh you didn't watch it no oh fuck really <laughs> damn oh my god yeah all right well hillary's gonna watch that later and we 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 encourage you to definitely sit through the whole credits because it's fabulous um so behind the behind the, i almost said behind the music ah behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon was uh written and directed by scott glosserman here's the thing that i just it just blows me the fuck away okay this is a 2006 release date uh it box office grows sixty nine thousand one hundred and thirty six dollars oh that's a shame oh, i know it really is a shame um, Although I, I get it because people didn't know what to do with this. And documentaries weren't like huge yet. You know, I mean, there people, certain people, I, I've always loved documentaries, but like a documentary style, you know, horror film that isn't a horror film till really like the last even 30% of the movie. I, I can see this not doing well in theaters. Yeah, yeah, I, which which is sad. is so right. sad because this movie is fucking brilliant. I would put, I would absolutely put this in my top twenty, and I've only seen it twice. Yo, see, and I've seen it so many more times than that, and never stayed past the credits, and it's really driving me nuts that I don't know <laughs> what is there. So anyway, it was filmed largely in Portland, Oregon, and it shows gorgeous scenery, um, Trout Troutdale, uh, St. Helens, Estesada. Uh, the establishing shots of Glen Echo were filmed on Main Street in downtown Troutdale. That just sounds like a small town. Uh, due to the limited budget and location restrictions, some of the script was rewritten during filming to accommodate the filming locations. During filming, several locations needed for certain scenes had yet to be scouted and were discovered in the middle of shooting. So... Actor Scott Wilson became involved after a suggestion from friend Robert England, who was already cast in the film. That's pretty sweet. And director Scott Glosserman recruited a group of young local filmmakers in Portland to work as additional editors on the film after seeing and being impressed by an independent film they had done called The Black Shoe Drifter. So there's so much fabulousness to be had in this film. Um, I, 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 there's, it's a, okay, I'm just going to say it. It's 90 minutes. It, it uses all of its 90 minutes. There are no lulls in this movie. There's no moment in this movie where I'm just thinking like, 
I need to get up and get more popcorn or I should pee. You know, it's, it's actually just like it captivates you. It pulls you in. You love the characters. You love to hate the characters. And, and then it gets you to the end and it's like, whoa, my God, you know? So that's a thing. Uh, shout out. Okay. We actually do have some shout outs. Um, I discovered a podcast called good beer, bad movie night. (laughs) So, uh, good beer, bad movie night is Dave, Troy, Kathleen and Pete. And it is basically a group of people who drink quality brews and talk about questionable movies. And it's really fantastic. It's a very engaging podcast to listen to. And I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And they are so nice as to, they're going to put our promo on their next episode. Oh, that is nice. You are so good with the people, with the podcasts. That's funny. The people, the people. I'm a, you're a people person. You're doing it. Um, Okay, and there is an Indiegogo campaign going on. We don't usually do any of these on the show, but you know what? It's important to make good art in the society that we live in today. I mean, we just need good movies. We need good art. And Sean Donahue is making another movie. Help us trend on day one. We need 100 people to donate to our campaign in 24 hours to trend on Indiegogo. We want to reach the biggest possible audience with this campaign, so every donation helps. Thank you. And the movie is called Blood, Guts, and Sunshine Part 2. So yeah, if you got it to give, maybe forgo the Starbucks for this week and uh, throw some money their way so they can make a movie. Okay, next week we are getting in on, we're, we're going Jersey. We're going full Jersey. Full Jersey, full trauma. Full Jersey, full trauma with class of Newcomb High. All right. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay manic.